Thank you so much for visiting us online today. We believe God wants to speak to you through the following message. If you would like to connect with us or send us your prayer requests, visit us at kingsgatehobs.com. My best decisions. Now, all of these decisions that I'm going to share with you tonight were all by faith. Every one of these decisions I made by faith. Okay? Made by faith in God and His plan for my life. How many of you know, according to Scripture, without faith, it's impossible to please God? So we got to believe that He is, that He exists, and that He rewards those that serve Him faithfully. That's what Scripture says. All right? So my best decisions, my first best decision, best decision is Jesus. Is Jesus. Let's go to Romans 3.22. Lately, I've been on a, I've been on a, a, a small kick of wanting y'all to know some more about my life. I shared some about my life on Sunday, some of my testimony. And so we'll, we'll get a little more into that tonight, maybe. We are made right with God. Isn't that good news? We are made right with God. You are right with God. You have peace with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. So does the color of your skin matter if you have faith? No. Where you came from? No. What branch of the military you served in? No. How you comb your hair, whether you have hair or not, right? I'm, lo I'm looking at myself. No. How you look? No. No matter who you are, your faith, placing your faith in Jesus Christ, makes you right with God. Right with God. What an eternal promise. What an eternal mystery that you can be right with the God who created you, even after all the sins we've committed, even after all the sins of mankind. Praise God. So Jesus. Jesus is the best decision I've ever made. I accepted Jesus. I'm not sure of the year, but I believe I was seven years of age, and it was in the summertime, and Dad was doing missionary work in California. And this ties into what we're doing now because I was at a small group Bible study when I accepted Jesus, age seven. I believe we were in a place called Marysville. It was near Yuba City, Northern California. And I'll never forget, Dad said, who wants to accept Jesus tonight? And me and another lady walked up. She was older than me. She was a grown woman, I think. And I'll never forget, Dad prayed with us and I accepted Jesus. I didn't do it in a church service. I did it in a small group meeting in California. And I'll never forget, it was at somebody's house. And that was, that was my faith and my confession and my belief. I chose to put my faith in God through Christ Jesus that night. And I'll never forget. I believe I was seven years of age, maybe eight, but I think I was seven. So that was, that's my top best decision of all time is placing my faith in Jesus, believing and deciding. And I knew who the Lord was. I believed that I knew God. I'd heard so much about him. I knew Bible stories. I could tell Bible stories to people. I was always like the Bible story champ at church when it came to trivia. I always knew the answers. And I just, because I, I, I knew the Bible, because mom and dad would read me stories. Mom would read us stories at night, stories from the Bible. And so I always loved the Bible, but that's when I accepted Jesus. I placed my faith in him. And that's my all-time best decision, to accept Jesus and make him my Lord. Look at point two tonight. This is another great decision. Honoring my parents. Now, for those of you that have dealt with your parents, <laughs> that's all of you, right? Whether you've been adopted or whether you were raised by an aunt or uncle or grandpa or grandma or it's your biological parents or your aunt raised you or your uncle. I believe, hey, I believe parents can be challenging to kids. We know kids can be challenging to parents. We know that already, right? We know kids 
are the real problem, right? <laughs> All the moms in the house said amen. No, but parents can be challenging. Some of you dealt with your parents when they were aging. Some of you dealt with your parents. Maybe some of you still deal with your parents. And why can it be challenging? Well, because you're not always going to agree. I remember, I remember the times, and my mom and I always had a magnificent relationship. We always did. I upset her a few times. But I, part of my testimony is I told mom years ago, mom says, I want you to forgive me for any mistakes I made with you when you were a kid. And I said, mom, I've had to forgive a lot of people. But I said, mom, I don't think I need to forgive you about anything. I said, I don't. You've, I'm sure you've made your mistakes with me. I didn't see them that way, and I know I made mistakes with you. I made her cry a few times. How many of you, men in the house, you know, that's terrible to make your mama cry. Some of you men have done that maybe. I don't know, but I did. But I, not good, not good. I never made my dad cry. Now, just seeing if you're awake, just seeing if you're awake. I made him pretty mad a few times. <laughs> but I chose to honor my parents. Did I always do a great job of it? No, but it was always... Always on my heart to honor my parents to the best of my ability. Does that mean I didn't mess up sometimes? No. I said some things under my breath. I got my face slapped a couple of times. We were old school. I got grounded numerous times, which I hated. They, call, they called it restriction. You're going to be on restriction. And I hated it, especially in seventh grade. They said, no phone. No phone. No phone. Oh, my gosh. And they, they said, after school, on the week that you're grounded, just so you don't go crazy, mom said, you can get on your bike and ride it up and down the street for 30 minutes, and you can watch everybody else play. <laughs> Genius. But kind of cruel and unusual torture, and I think that's illegal. But cruel and unusual punishment, better phrase. But... I was like, oh, man. So I was just riding up and down, the, and the kids are like, man, come on, Matt. You want to play basketball? I said, I can't, man. I'm, I'm restricted. I think I said grounded because I thought restricted was a dumb word for it. I was like, I'm grounded because I didn't think anybody understood that anyway. So I'm grounded. So <laughs> I remember driving up and down the street 20 or 30 minutes, and they let me do that during the week. But then they said, you got to come home, and you got to get back in your homework. You take a shower, do your homework if it's not done, but you don't get to play outside like usual, and you don't get to be on the phone. I don't remember what else I was grounded from. But wow, it was just a tough week. It was a tough week. But I learned and decided years ago to honor my parents. And that became very helpful, working in the ministry with them. Had I not learned to honor them, I wouldn't have never, ever been able to work with them or for them. And I'm going to tell you right now, my dad is a man of God. He's, he's, some of you are like, man, pastor's tough. Man, y'all didn't know him when I was 10. He was still recovering from Vietnam, man. He was tough. He was tough. And he was way less patient. He always loved God. He was always a man of the word. He was always a man of love. He was always a good pastor. But, man, Dad was serious. He wasn't playing around about stuff. And he was serious, man. He was strict. But I'm telling you, I decided years ago to honor Mom and Dad. And was it always easy? No. No. It wasn't always easy. There were times I was like, Lord, I give up on this. I'm done. I'm done with the ministry here. I'm done working with my parents, working with family. I had to have a grace for that. Man, I could have left. I remember I graduated from high school, and I got a scholarship to Texas Tech. And I wasn't afraid to leave. I was ready to go. And I was a little nutty at that time, but I still remember. It was a little crazy, and I was 18 and this and that. And I had a plan with a friend. We're going to shave our heads. How ironic, right? We're going to shave our heads and go to Texas Tech University together. He said, if you shave your head, it'll make you look bigger. 
Guys, I don't look very big to you, do I? Because I shave my head all the time. But I'll never forget. It's like one day I just knew I wasn't supposed to go to Texas Tech. I just wasn't. I just knew. I didn't hear God thunder from heaven. I just knew I'm going to go over there and get in trouble. I'm going to go over there and mess up. Now, not everybody goes to college and messes up, but I just lost my peace. I wasn't even reading the Bible every day at that time. I'd read through my Bible before by that age, but I wasn't just seeking God hardcore. I spoke to God. I loved God, but I just lost my peace, and I stayed, and it took honoring my parents to be able to work with them all these years. I've worked full-time in the ministry with mom and dad since January of 2018, full-time. And before that, I worked in the ministry here doing other stuff, but full-time ministry, I've been working since June of 1999. So 19 years right here with them. Now mom's gone to be with Jesus. She's been promoted to heaven. And here I am, and thank God I decided to honor my dad because now mom's in heaven. We had a great relationship. But by the grace of God, I have a good relationship with my dad. I've heard stories of, man, one parent goes, and the last parent, well, that wasn't your favorite parent. Both of my parents are my favorites. We all drove each other crazy at different times, but I decided to honor my parents. Let's go to Ephesians 6.2. Man, one of my best decisions, honoring my parents. Honor your father and mother. Honor your mom and dad. This is the first commandment with a promise. Look at this. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you, and you will have a long life on the earth. You'll live long if you honor your parents. I've bumped into people that I thought were just wild, but they're old. And I always think, man, maybe they honored their parents. They must have because there's that promise. Maybe they did good at honoring their parents, man. They lived to be old. I got a grandma now who's 91, I believe. And she retired like a year and a half ago. I remember saying, Grandma, are you going to come visit us? Oh, no, mijo, I have to work. You're 88. She's pushing 100, man. But now she's at home, and she has a little walker now, but she gets around. She's in her early 90s, and that's just amazing. She must have honored her parents. She always speaks so endearingly of her parents. It's just beautiful. I mean, she hasn't seen her parents in probably, I don't know, 50 or 60 years, but she still honors them, and that's a good example to follow. Let's go to point three tonight. This is one of my best decisions right here. I would have talked about this if she was here tonight or if she wasn't. So Jennifer Christine Brown Senna is one of just my best and favorite decisions. Look at, let's go to Proverbs 5.18. Proverbs 5.18. Look at this. Look at this verse right here. Just a little short verse, but look how powerful. Let your wife be a fountain of blessing for you. Rejoice in the wife of your youth. I was already bald when I got married, but I was 30. I was 30 and... I was a lot younger than I am now, praise God, but that is the wife of my youth. And it's, it's amazing because when you marry the one that God has picked for you, see, I loved her right away. People talk about love at first sight. I saw Jen. See, God had already spoken to me about her. Some of you know the story. God had already spoken to me about Jen before I met her. Elaine had told me about her. I was in Austria in the middle of Europe doing mission work, and Elaine said, you've got to meet my friend. And Elaine was never that way about her. Even friends she loved. She used to warn me about her friends, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Elaine was like, Elaine was like, so-and-so thinks you're cute. Stay away from her. <laughs> and it happened often. She'd be like, uh, I, I've noticed that uh, she's trying to flirt with you. Uh, stay away from her. So my sister would warn me about her friends. 
But she met Jen on a mission trip to Peru. Jonathan and Elaine went with Jen. Jen was a, a team leader. Were you a team leader project? I always want to add different stuff. Jen was the CEO of the trip. <laughs> no, Jen was one of the team leaders. And so they got to know each other. And right away, she and my sister just loved each other. So they had a powerful friendship and relationship. They've been friends for years. And when Elaine told me about her over the phone when I was in Europe, I hung up the phone. At that time, my host family was actually in America at a conference. They'd left me for 10 or 12 days in Europe, and I was dog-sitting their dog and doing <laughs> Bible studies and doing little church services, but I was taking care of their dog, and their dog's name was Trixie. That's just for information. Really easy dog to take care of. She ate carrots and different vegetables. Interesting dog. But um, So I was, I was house-sitting and taking care of their dog, and I'd just gotten off the phone with Elaine. She says, I want you to meet my friend. And I went to lay down. I was praying, and I remember I was fasting dinner that night. And I just knew as clear as day the Lord said, that's your wife. And, man, I had my problems at the time. I was struggling with rejection. I had some areas in my life that needed to be healed. I was in my 20s. I was about in my mid-20s. And the Lord told me, he said, you've been faithful. I'm going to bring your wife to you. I'm going to bring her to your mom's front door. And Elaine's like, you need to meet her. And then the Lord's saying, I'm going to bring her to your mom's front door. So guess what? About almost two months later, on October 31st, 2002, she shows up knocking at our door. We knew she was coming, but God did exactly what he said. So Jen came to visit, not me. She'd only seen a picture of me, but she was way more interested in my baby sister. That was her best friend. So she came down to be with Elaine. That was fall of 2002. She came to school in January of 2003. Thought she would be here one, one semester. Well, 15 and a half years later, she's still here with us. And I thank God because we've grown in faith together. We've, we've grown in love together. We've, we've um, oh, thank you. We've, um, we've braved trials together. We've, um, we've had a lot of fun together. We've laughed till we felt sick sometimes. We've just laughed at dumb stuff and then great stuff. Um, we've done ministry together, and that we're just really doing that together. And then we've gotten to travel together. I remember laying in a room in the dark in South Africa with my wife and thinking, man, God's good. Here I am with my wife in Africa. We're going to wake up tomorrow, and the sun's going to rise, and we're going to do ministry, and here we are together. That was on our third anniversary, and we've been to Africa a number of times. We've been to Dominican Republic. God's going to take us back there. We're planning other mission trips for the church together, and we've been to Mexico together. We've been to different places, and it's been such an adventure because I believe we both obeyed God and chose right, and we decided by faith. By faith, we said we're going to marry each other. We love each other. We're going to marry each other, and we're going to get married and uh, praise God. That's one of my best decisions right there. Number three is Jen. And number four, number four, this ties in to a lot of this stuff here that I've already mentioned, and that's saying yes to God's call on my life. I ran from it for years, man. I knew I was called. The first thing I ever wanted to be was a, a, an evangelist or a missionary preacher. And that was the first thing I wanted to be. I was four years of age saying, man, I'm going to preach and play the piano. Went to one piano lesson, thought it was too hard, and said, I'm just going to preach. <laughs> and that, that really happened. You can, I was going to say, you can ask my mom. When you get to heaven, you can ask my mom. <laughs> I told the teacher, I said, look, I don't have a lot of time for this. I was about five. I said, I don't have a lot of time for this, so can you just show me how to do it all at once today because I'm not coming back. 
She was my kindergarten teacher, and she goes, Matthew, it doesn't work that way. I said, I'll see you at class. I'm done. So I was just going to be a, I used to tell people I'm going to be a plain old evangelist or a plain old missionary. And at some point, after I ran for years, I said yes to the call of God. I think Sister Rose was part of that. She, uh, she was always hearing from God. I remember in 19, let's see, late 97, early 1998, Sister Rose said, I've been praying, and I think you should teach children's church, and I'll train you how to do that. And I remember thinking, I don't even need to pray about that. I don't know if I want to do it, but I just, <laughs> did, I, did I tell you no at first? And I think you may have talked to my mom, didn't you? I think you may have. I don't remember what y'all conspired to do, but somehow I ended up in there, and I loved it. And you, you prayed, and I think, I, I think you talked to mom. I don't know. But mom had a way with me. She's like, babe, you know, you, you should really pray about it. You know, you don't know. And, but anyway, Sister Rose got me in there. We'd meet across the street, and I, they trained me for children's church. And you know what's cool about learning to preach in children's church? Kids don't fake it. Frank, they don't care what you're talking about, man. If it's boring, it's boring. They're like, I remember asking kids, does anybody know the rules? Because we'd go over the rules. Remember, Sister Rose, we'd go over the rules. One girl raised her hand one day. Yes. I forgot her name. She's the cutest little kid. I said, yes, ma'am. She says, don't swim in the water when there's sharks. I said, I don't think that's one of the rules here, but that's a good rule. So that's a pretty good rule. I mean, I learned to preach and teach with, in children's church, and so did John and Elaine. So, man, that was our foundation, and now I can, I can speak to adults, but I feel very comfortable speaking to children, too. I mean, you can, I can do crazy stuff to keep their attention. And usually we learn that, based upon their age, that's how many minutes they could listen. So if they're three, they would listen to you for three minutes if you get lucky. If they were five, it was five minutes, okay? But I really don't believe that my grandma Senna can pay attention for 91 minutes. I don't believe that, but I guess to a certain point. But So point four tonight, well, one of my best decisions is saying yes to God's call. Saying yes to his call. Let's go to Ephesians 2.10. Ephesians 2.10. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew or brand new in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Some of you say, man, Pastor Matt, I'm not called to be a pastor. Hey, well, praise God. What are you called to do? Seek God about it. Say yes to the calling of God. Some of you say, man, no, God's called me to serve here at the daycare. God's called me to serve as a mom. Or God's called me to serve as a teacher. God's called me to serve in the oil field. Or called me to serve as a dad in this certain area. Or serve as a small group host. God has called me to serve in these different areas. you got to say yes to the call of God. For we are God's masterpiece. He's created us anew in Christ Jesus. So we can do the good things. Good things he planned for us long ago. In my case, it's serving, pastoring, missionary work. I believe part of the call of God for me is being a husband and someday being a dad. And even now, being a spiritual dad, a spiritual father. But man, I want to be a biological dad too. And God has called me to all these things. My question for you tonight is, what has God called you to do? What are you doing with your faith? Are you making the best possible decisions by faith? Because remember, you can't, you, anything not done in faith is sin. So don't decide things apart from faith if you can't do it in faith. I remember years ago, years ago, somebody said, are you going to have that eye surgery? Because you'll, you'll get 20-20 vision. And my answer was simple. I said, you know what? I could get that right now, and I still want it someday. 
I think I have the faith for it now, but at that time I said, I don't have the faith to do that. So I'm not going to go under, under a surgeon's laser beam or his scalpel and fix my eyes if I don't have faith to do it. But when I have the faith to do it, I'll do it, all right? And I have the faith to pastor. I have the faith to be a husband. I have the faith to be a good friend. I have the faith to be a good dad someday. I have the faith to do these different things because God has called me to do certain things and God has called you to do certain things. So these are my best decisions, and they're all by faith. This is kind of like a little Wednesday intro to the August series, which is Faith, the Enemy of Fear. We need to understand that faith is a true enemy of fear. Faith crushes fear. Faith works by love, and love, perfect love casts out fear. So let's pray tonight, if you would, please.